0: Do you guys like to think about heaven? I mean, that's that's the ultimate, isn't it? Nice to, nice to be thinking on that. And so when we think about that, you have to think, is there going to be such thing as free will in heaven as far as rejecting or accepting Jesus? Is there going to be free will in that? Will anybody have the choice to reject Him?
1: <laughs> I think so, but who would want to? I think we'll have full knowledge, and so we won't. That won't even be a consideration.
0: So really, it's you don't even have the. It's not a choice. Is it'll it?
1: sort of be like the free will we have before we know Christ. Adam and right. Eve had free will, though, and they
0: chose.
1: Food.
0: I hope it's better than that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, it'll be the other side. It'll yeah. Because
0: the they had the they had the possibility to sin, and in heaven we will not have the possibility to sin. And in other words. We don't have that kind of choice, do we? Which is good. I don't want the choice. I don't. I don't want to get into heaven and find yeah. out. Hey, if I I could turn my back on God here.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. And what does that mean? The
3: ability not, not the ability to sin.
0: Yeah, no ability not to sin.
3: That's not sin.
0: No, to... no ability to sin. Yeah. There we go so we really wouldn't want that and you know what I think most Christians would agree with us on that wouldn't they would Would any Christians have any problem with that in the sense okay well great I, I don't have that particular choice but that's the very choice that they seem to really like uh, in the time that we live in now though I mean it's so dear to them dare not ever take anybody's free will away to choose God to reject or believe Him. I think it's kind of interesting to think on that. But um, man uh, right now is in a sinful state and the the problem is is that he cannot. He cannot choose God, can he? He will not. He cannot. So on that note, that's how we, we start tonight. And because it's making us think of how great it would be if there never was any possibility to sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. praise you for being such an awesome God. And uh, you are worthy of praise. And you are the one that uh, we want to focus our attention on, always, but uh, even uh, so now, even more, as we turn to your word and as we... Look at your truth that will be able to see who you are and what you're about, what you have done, and uh, to see how you work in man's life, uh, in creation and then sustaining him and in showing that man is in the image of God and he can be restored back to that image because of the person of Christ. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm. We uh, just kind of uh, pretty well finished verse 7 last week. Hey, guys. And what we were dealing with was uh, God was forming man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into uh, his nostrils a breath of life, and man became a living being, a living being. Uh, He gave him the breath of life, uh, the wind, it's the same word as uh, spirit, uh, but uh, into man this was uh, given. And although he breathed life into all the living creatures, and that's what we were talking about last week also, but it was only into man where that breathing life into him was really in his own image, in the very image of God. So that definitely sets the difference between man and the other living beings, uh, as far as animals are concerned. The nefesh, we became living souls, but God breathed in man the immaterial part. That's the nefesh, the immaterial part. The uh, in the. I think in the King James it's probably translated 21 or 22 different times uh, in different ways. But it's the immaterial part, the inner person, it's the soul, uh, the spirit. God literally took that form, that physical body, or that form out of chemical components that he got out of the ground and he breathed into man there that life. And uh, he became a living creature That was much higher than anything else that had been created. And uh, that image of God, that life in the image of God is uh, what we are amazed at. That he would take man and make him in some sense like him. And that we can relate to God. And uh, he gets on a language basis with us. And and, uh, here it is. We're reading a book that was written what, uh, 2,000, uh, 3,500 years ago by Moses as he wrote the Pentateuch. I was going to say as he pinned the Pentateuch. They use pins like we we do, but at the same time we, uh, we look at this and we see what uh, has been given. God relates to us. Here's how it happened, folks. And I think it gets rather detailed considering Uh, especially what we uh, can understand anyway. Um, I think we're told in uh, not only that man is created, but he's told what part of the world he was placed into. Uh, We don't know exactly where that was at, but we can have an idea of the vicinity. And we know also that uh, he was given a, a habitation that was beautiful. And he was very blessed, he was very happy, a very pleasant place to be, the best place in the world that he could have been, the universe. And I think trying to describe the majesty of God sometimes escapes us. How can we really express it? The best way we can is what is on our pages that are in the Bible and even then it's really hard to really fathom really what not only a God is about, but what His creation is about. And so whenever we see some of this beauty that's expressed here, people can paint it, they can try to Photoshop pictures to show you what Eden looked like, and they're still going to fall far short of it. Um, we have uh, finite minds, and we're sinful beings still yet, and so that majesty is hard to uh, really grasp. Uh I think I might have had on your outlines last week, and I might have even read of uh, that. I don't know if I had it up on the top, but I, I don't have the outlines this week. It's really the same thing. Um, John Calvin said, No corner of the earth was then barren, nor was there uh, even any which was not exceedingly rich and fertile. But that benediction of God, which was elsewhere comparatively moderate, had in His place poured itself wonderfully forth... For not only was there an abundant supply of food, but with it was added sweetness for the gratification of the palate and beauty to feast the eyes. And so God made this one place that was just majestically beautiful that man could enjoy. And of course God, what he makes is good. And in this case, (laughs) where man is very good and the place that he's at, it's very good as far as God is concerned. This is the best that it could be. And if it's concerning God, we know that there couldn't have been anything better outside of uh, the eternal state where we're all in glory. And this was going to lead to that. Uh, Anyway, uh, it's amazing to think that man uh, actually blew that. And it's inexplicable how man could do what he did. But that's all of us, isn't it? Let's uh, pick it up at uh, verse 8, chapter 2. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. The tellium and the onyx stone are there The name of the second river is Gihon, and it is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hidekel, and it is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely (coughs) die. Here is the beginning of man and where he was at and we see immediately um, the choices that were put before him. So there was a choice for him wasn't there? And he could choose the good and evil uh, knowing that uh, or he could just Stay with the tree of life, and not be concerned about it. Uh, right off the bat, who planted the who planted the garden? Who's doing the creating? The Lord God, or that's that God that's identified with His name Yahweh. Uh, this is this personal God. This is this self-existent one. And you've seen in chapter two where He has uh, used that several times. Um, in verse 4, and in verse 5. Now we see it in verse 7, and here it is in verse 8, verse 9. He is a God that not only is a self-existent one, but He shows who He is. And as the Bible continues and progresses to give us more revelation, we learn more about God through His names. And so, this right here shows this kind of a god that really cares. He really, really, really cares about human beings. He's going to give them the best. The best. That's what we have to look forward to, too. You know, once you get out of this sin thing and you get glorified, we there's no way we could even understand all those things. I think Paul was caught up to the third heaven and uh, where there was paradise. And he couldn't even explain. He, he was not going to be able to put down uh, what he saw. And uh, we we get a little glimpse here of Eden, but uh, boy, there's something even even better than this. And this is incredible. What we'd give just to be there in, in Eden. Right? Uh, so anyway, uh, where's it at? Well, it's a garden. And it's eastward in Eden. And you think of east, east, East of where? <laughs> well, who's writing this?
1: East of where?
0: Who's writing? Moses. And at the time, they were somewhere down south. They had, you know, they had been in Egypt and then they went over a little bit. So we're talking a further east of where he was at. Uh, we could be talking the Iraq, uh, Iran. Um, you could be talking where the the Babylonian area would eventually be, it could be somewhere in that vicinity. We we don't know for sure. And you can read a thousand commentators and they're all going to have some kind of idea. But when they're usually done with it, they'll usually say, we don't know for sure. There was a flood that came through later. And uh, that flood destroyed some things. It didn't necessarily destroy all the face of the earth, but it covered it. And we still have the same earth, but that earth has been changed as far as, um, you could say, geographical locations. He does use some names that they would be familiar with. Those names could be uh, the same, like the same rivers. They could have changed somewhat, or they could have been changed drastically. He's using names, though, that uh, maybe they would be familiar with at that time. Um, at, At any rate... If he's at Mount Sinai and he's writing this, it's saying it uh, could be somewhere, it's east of here, somewhere in Iraq, let's say. To the Jew, uh, we say Iraq. That's what we know to be in that area. It it, it was east of them. If if it was uh, to a Jew who was in Jerusalem, later on reading this, it'd still be east of them. Uh, Eden. And uh, we have an Eden. Right back there, right in Alpha and Omega tonight, we have Eden get yeah. beat that, and we this is
3: that.
0: <laughs> yeah. we know where Eden is at, and I'll tell you what, it's a fresh garden. Eden is only a one year old so yeah, but man yeah. if 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 you went to the literal Garden of Eden, man could mess up. The Garden of Eden in one year i don 't know if sin happened within that year or later we you know we, we were talking about that last week, but we we still don 't know the timing on that, but uh I can tell you when this was first made, uh, God was taking pleasure in it, and he wanted man to take pleasure in it and so there's the word Eden uh, I get some different ideas and definitions of it, but uh, when it 's all Said and done, it's tied up, it means pleasure, it means delight, it means luxury,
3: <laughs>
0: it means paradise, uh, to the Hebrew, uh, in some of their writings they refer to it as, uh, that, that word, paradise. It uh, also means a place that is well watered, all throughout, well watered, it's not uh, a dry area. You think of the Middle East today, and you think of what? Dry, desert. Um, beautiful place, pleasing to the eyes, uh, to all the senses. I imagine it uh, would—the fragrances there must have been incredible, as far as the the smell is concerned. And um, uh, take your ears, for instance, and hear all the birds and all. Can we get a bird sound, Carolyn, going here? Yeah. Now imagine that all around this garden. Now, here it is in December, and all of a sudden we're, uh, you know, we're placing ourselves into the Garden of Eden. Does somebody else have some nice little animal sounds? <laughs> pleasing, pleasing place, pleasant. I tell you what, th- there's anything that I would put forth, or I think anybody would put forth, would be an understatement of what we could tell about this Garden of Eden. God's creation that we uh, even see today is still beautiful, isn't it? It's amazing, despite uh, the sin that has affected it. And, um, you know, we we go to natural places like uh, uh, Niagara Falls. That's pretty cool to see. Uh, Or Grand Canyon. You think, what, some of the great national parks. Lake of the Ozarks. Pretty beautiful place, isn't it? How about the Great Lakes? Lake Michigan. That's a pretty place up there. Got those sands, and there's no salt in that lake. Looks like an ocean out there, but it's fresh water. Um, The Babylonians call a place like that, like that paradise. It's It's a really lush green land. They would call it... Edenu, or Edenu, E-D-E-N-U is how it translates into the English. That means a well-watered place. If you come from the Middle East, and even Israel today, not that Israel is a desert like it is in Iraq and Saudi Arabia and and all in that area, uh, water is very valuable. So, when you're talking about this Eden and this paradise and these rivers, and um, like it said in verse 6, there's this flow coming up out of the earth and watered the whole face of the ground, that is an incredible thought to them. To us, we're used to water, you know, and hey, it's it's dry out there in the yard, just hook up the hose, you know, and just put the sprinkler on, let it go, you know, we We don't know what it's like to really get dry. I mean, we've had some droughts, but not like what they had, where everything just is brown. So what God did is that he had placed paradise, this Eden, in a place which he made especially, especially for uh, man. And the variety of delights are incredible. God is a God of variety, isn't he? And uh, he wants to make everything abounding. The the fruits had to be abounding. Perfect. You'd never have a wormhole in one. (laughs) Perfect fruit. And I imagine he could probably select which ones that he wanted. Maybe some looked uh, maybe a little bigger than others. Maybe he might take that one. Uh, Who knows? But um, anyway, you're talking about a very fertile place. A uh, pleasant place. It was his gift to Adam. A special gift. Here, I'm placing you in this. It's a place that he had prepared. Uh, I think it was uh, part of the creation that he'd already made. It's there. And then he places Adam there. Because he's he's rested from his creation. It was something that he made. He knew that Adam was going to be coming along. And he not only uh, gave that gift to Adam, but he dignifies Adam. Look Look at what he uh, thinks of his grand creation and uh, the place that he puts him in and, and allows him to, to even communicate with him. Uh, so um, I would say that he gave him special favor. Would you say there was a lot of grace happening there? Incredible. This is how good God is. This is the way that God wants to operate with mankind. But because of sin, mankind doesn't want that doesn't want that kind of stuff. He wants to be independent of all that stuff. Isn't that rebellious? Isn't that terrible? It, it hurts himself. Huh. Amazing what man can do. But uh, anyway, this is how good God is. Knowing all along that man is going to sin against Him. But um, this is not a dream. This is a real place. And there are people that like to take this as an allegory. There wasn't any Garden of Eden. It's, it's a symbol of some, it's a dream. <laughs> it's not a real place. Why do they want to take that out? Origen is one of those who allegorized. Have you ever heard of Origen? One of the early church fathers. And there were some things that he uh, got into trouble with. There's some things that was helpful from Origen, but he was very allegorical, uh, more than most. And they would say it was skillful to be able to interpret scripture and make every bit of it allegory. And so they'd take great pride in saying, well, that doesn't really mean that. This is what it really means. And all of a sudden you've got some kind of a dreamy state going along that's not real. And so now, you know, what can we believe if we turn everything into allegory? Allegory has its place. God will use that. He will use metaphors. He will use many different items in uh, and ways to uh, bring forth who He is. But when it's there, you can usually see it. it. The context is what's important as we as we read His word. So there's no no reason to uh, allegorize this. Uh, this region is something that God made. He selected it to be this particular place. Adam is uh, selected to be put in there. Adam didn't have anything to do with this. He was just put there. And uh, I I bet you he looked around. I bet he didn't say, God, why did you put me here for? (laughs) Grumbling and complaining. We don't see that, do we? Um, God had made Adam uh, good, but uh, he's an inhabitant of the earth. And I think as he looks at this great creation this earthly life that he has which is it's earth like this this was on on this this planet right on this earth as he would look at it it would be able to prepare him as he would meditate on the things that God made on finally the ultimate can you imagine being in the very presence of God like he was but one day when we are in glory will be in a higher state than even Adam was at that time. And that wasn't a bad place to be. But this was going to advance into a, a, a heavenly glory. And he wouldn't have to pass through death. But because of sin, that's what had to happen. So, if the earth had not been cursed, on account of sin, the whole earth would have remained... Uh, a, a great scene of delight and fruitfulness and yet man would uh, become into that glorified state um, and so really what we look forward to is not going to be that much different than what paradise is from what God had created anyway we'll just be able to uh, we'll be enhanced and be able to see what this is like and uh, no no sin whatsoever uh, almost puts you, uh, puts you into a dreamy state though doesn't it <laughs> thinking about this so he put the man there whom he had formed what a good God experience this look at this look what I've got for you you know we are recreation, new creations that's what he's saying to us okay you're put in a sinful world here this is where you're at but I'll tell you what I've got the best for you I'm going to tell you how it's going to be as, as time goes on you're just going to be here for a, a blip in time Here's what I've got planned for you. Just trust me. Just trust me. It's kind of hard to trust sometimes. But he says, just trust me. We've got something to bank on. You know, this, is, this is truth here. So we go on to verse 9. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight, good for food. And then you have the tree of life and you have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Funny that pops up that quick. You have the description of man in verse seven, which we get a lot of detail, and then the garden in verse eight, and then verse nine we already get something that pops up real quick: uh, the knowledge of uh, good and uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil <laughs> pops was up. Evil it.
1: Before the fall, then, right? What's that? There was evil before the fall.
0: There was a there was a tree. About the knowledge of good and evil, there had been a, there had been evil in the sense of um, uh, Satan, for instance, uh, Lucifer. And of course, uh, if you look at uh, the world at this time, though, that there was not evil into it until he came and then brought the temptation and man fell. And now man knows that there there's a difference. Wouldn't it have been nice if he had just been stayed in the innocent state? just knowing what God had revealed to him. That's all you needed to know. There was nothing else. You didn't have to know about that.
1: Well, why was there a tree of good and
0: evil then? Does anybody really want to tackle that? <laughs> yeah,
1: wouldn't you think because, I mean, the serpent was in the garden. He was already bad. He He already fell. Need is good, so there's your but it's, so The next question is
4: where did the serpent comes from? And why why did the serpent have to be there? But, I mean, it's, it's it's Isaiah 55, 8, 9. Look
0: it up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you can't get the answer, that's always a good one to go to, right? Isaiah <laughs>
3: okay, 55, 8, 9. So my ways are not your way. My ways <laughs> are <laughs>
4: With
0: that <laughs> that's deep stuff and um, what you're saying is where did sin come from uh, I will tell you that uh, sin is not any kind of physical matter it's not any kind of, uh, look there there was there was God there was goodness and anything that falls short of being God. And, of course, in this sense, he, he makes a uh, a man who's perfectly good. But then he also, for some reason, puts that there. He didn't have to do that, but he does it in the most perfect way. And uh, there are many uh, answers we can come up with. We know that had it not been for sin, and, of course, we'll probably get into a lot of this when we get into chapter 3, but had it... I can look at it from one side. Had it not been for sin, how would we really understand and grasp the gospel or or grace? Uh, We would not understand, um, for instance, we have experienced grace as Christians. We don't deserve anything good. And now we know we have something good. And so we've seen an attribute of God that would have been very hard to understand. How about uh, how just God is, where he has to punish evil. Um, God is good. There's no evil in him whatsoever.
1: And if they had not eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there would have been no knowledge of evil. It wouldn't have... We are the evil. (laughs) We became the evil when they defied God. Well, by definition, wouldn't they have known evil by disobeying God? I mean, if... Doesn't logic dictate that if I tell you not to do something, if you do it, it will be wrong? I mean, isn't that a fair argument, that if I tell you... Not to do something to do it would be wrong, and you would know wrong. I mean, you wouldn't intimately know it, but you would know of it.
2: I've heard some teachers say that conscience wasn't developed until the fall. So I, and that's a philosophical thing, I don't know where to go with that, but um, is there a scripture that says that God ordains everything that comes to pass? I know there's some theological statements kind of like that, but is there a scripture like that? Because I'm going to say something that's probably
0: kind of... I don't have it right at my fingertips, and I should. That's that's the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There is. Uh, If somebody wants to look that up real quick, we'll get an answer because it's there.
2: I couldn't find it in my concordance to to go with, but... (coughs) The um, the question or or uh, thought that is a struggling thought, and um, I have my um, bent on it, I guess you'd say, but uh, just in what I understand about God and about the Bible and about sin and everything, uh, is that... Uh, you know we're talking about God prepared this this earth and this garden and everything, but that really was just a part of his plan of redemption too and there some people would say that well, God never made man or or he made man uh and gave him free will and then uh but he never intended for man to sin well. But we look at this whole book, and he did sin, and God took care of it, and so, and and does take care of it, and so to me, I don't, I don't struggle with that. Of uh, you know, did God make man um, to always be in the Garden of Eden, pure and you know, since I don't, I don't struggle with that because that's not what happened. But, um, but I can see where that could be a question for people.
1: Well, you notice he didn't say they they couldn't eat of the tree of life.
3: It if like he had said problem.
1: they couldn't eat of the tree of life, that would have been the one they wanted to eat from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It
4: seems like the problem is that it's almost um, like free will is sin. Yeah. Simple because. From what I'm gathering, what I've talked to you, the angels had free will, and so it goes all the way back to that. You know, and, and there's there's questions I have right now, but I'm not going to voice them in front of everybody because I don't want to put it, I don't want to put doubts in front of everybody else that, that maybe they don't have yet, because I, you know, and I don't want to give them any of those doubts because um, I already like I'm just completely.
0: Oh, you'll wind up underneath the bed reciting <laughs> the Greek alphabet.
3: Uh,
2: uh, here's, here's a, a way that, that I think about it. I don't think of free will as sin, but I do think that man was created, that anything created, any anything created could not govern itself.
3: You just said it.
2: That's That's it the whole idea. So it's not that free will is evil. But evil
4: Where does the thought to govern yourself come
2: from? God is the only governor of everything. He he's the only he's the only thing that can hold everything together. And that is spiritual. Well, where does that thought to govern yourself come from? The thought to govern yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well <laughs> is you the kind thought of is there. evil the thought evil or uh is they're that more? Right I just pulled up a couple things on my phone, and they're, they're, I think they're both right on it. They're, they're, I mean, they're on the right track. There's some things out there that I just happened to pull up and was reading through that would be interesting to look up in the future and kind of mull through it. But I think they're both they're both getting it. And I, I just
3: pulled
4: up. A so, so that's my that's always my biggest issue with was, was where it, Lucifer got the idea that he thought he could. Where did he Where did that thought that you're saying uh, to govern himself even came from?
2: Yeah, because he was he was allowed to be,
0: you know, the well Augustine. The Augustine Augustine defined it as this, and here's what the reformers do, and that's kind of what we've talked about before. God gave man the ability to not sin in that innocent state. Also, there was the ability that he could sin. He could have had it where he would not sin at all. Like when we go to heaven, we're not going to have that. But he didn't make it that way. And I think it shows that if, it, if people were not elected and, and foreknown by God, they would all do that. And all the angels would have done the same thing. There were elect angels that he kept from falling. And, and of course, all of mankind is fallen, but God redeems them. And that's why the angels long to look into this gospel story because they're a different creature that either they were elect or not elect and they didn't have a redemption. Whereas mankind is redeemed. and The ones who are chosen, they they fell. You have good angels that have never sinned. That will never sin. And so God, that was part of His creation. And you can go into the depth of this and then get into the philosophy of it. And you finally are going to hit a point where you can't go any further. It's good to look into it uh, as far as you can scripturally. And if you look at John Calvin, who has dealt with predestination and such, uh, you know, finally, it's going to come to a mystery that you cannot solve it. Your finite mind has no possibility of looking into the things of God. And that's why you used your Isaiah passage and that uh, that applies to almost everything eventually because we you know we pretty well understand the uh, things of God uh, on a basis of what scripture has given us and what is up front but then the depth behind all of that is incredible that uh, our minds cannot understand and we'll have an eternity to learn that as time goes on we'll learn more and more about God's um, greatness and, and But that's what we're doing. We're looking into some of the things of God when we look into this creation and man uh, being put in the garden and uh, here you have the, the trees that are put in it. First of all, just regular trees. <laughs> and... God made these trees in the third day of the creation. It's not that, oh, I've got a garden of evil here. I'm going to create those now. It looks like it says there, and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree. Well, he did. It did come out of the ground. It doesn't say when, but I think it goes back to our third day whenever he uh, had the plants. And uh, he had that, and then he put man in there. And that's what he's doing. He's going back. And this whole section is about the garden. And even more important than that is man. Man in the garden. It's a great, great creation. Now, God gave him symbols here. These are real trees, but you have symbols of external signs, I guess you could say, and by these, these two trees. And as long as man would taste from that fruit of the tree, this, this tree of life, uh, I think it's a good way of realizing that, hey, he could remember how he received his life. Hey, this came from God. This life is always from God. Always being reminded of that. It's nice to have symbols. We have communion, for instance, right? The church celebrates that. And communion is... Saying this is how you know we were redeemed. You get the gospel story in that. You get the the death of Christ being proclaimed in that. There's so much depth there. It's a it's a way of remembering. Do this in remembrance of me. It helps us to um, recall that. Even though we know that, it's another thing that uh, brings it to mind, real clear. And uh, God does that quite frequently throughout His Word. He'll keep repeating things. He'll give us things. So these things are kind of like symbols in that in that sense and he would remember that hey i got this life not by my own power but it was it was all from god it was all the grace of god and so adam would take from that and he'd realize that and that's a visible testimony isn't it uh that this life is is uh, it's all from god uh he is what we are uh it's all because of him that we live it's all because of him that we move and, and do all these things that we can do it's it's all from him, everything, but see most of rebellious human beings today don't agree with that, do they? They would not say that everything comes from God. matter of fact, most would not say that they don't want to say that because they're living independently of him, they're doing just fine. <laughs> They're really not. Uh, Augustine said of the tree of life, it was a figure of life in that he is the eternal Word of God. Christ is the eternal Word. You look at the tree of life; it's it's that's where life comes from, and uh, of course, life is from the eternal One. Adam knew that he was totally dependent on God when he was first created. He knew that he came from him. Everything that he uh, did was because of God. Everything that he ate and drank and enjoyed and and all that pleasure that he just took in was all coming from God. And in that sense, he was a good hedonist. He was uh, in pleasure. The whole everything surrounded him. And you say, how can you be a good hedonist? Well, if you read John Piper, you'll you'll get your answer because that's what God made us for—to t- to take pleasure in Him and the things that He gives us. And if we use those things rightly, enjoy—that's what He wants us to do. Enjoy, enjoy Him, enjoy what He's given, and recognizing I give Him thanks for this because it's all Him. That's all glory to Him, right? So there's nothing wrong with enjoying and taking pleasure in. And and so uh, the curse is reversed in that sense. We can do that now. But if you don't have God, you're going to enjoy and you're going to distort everything that he's made. And uh, kind of interesting uh looking at this show that was these uh, Alaska and uh the uh the highway patrolman. What was the name of that show? What is it? It's a,
2: it's a very generic name for Alaskan troopers or something. Yeah,
0: something like that. Anyway, they they have all these counties. Has anybody ever been to Alaska? It's beautiful. I mean, you look at the trees, you know, in in July, and and the streams and as fresh as can be, and the trees are tall and beautiful, just green. It, less you t, you tend to think less pollution there, but the people are polluted. They're corrupt. They don't have anything else to do up there. What do they do? They drink and do drugs. That's what they do. They park did alongside go? the road. What's that?
1: Where did you go? Uh,
0: I saw this on TV. <laughs> I didn't. I've never gone to Alaska. <laughs> it's a show. It's a. It's a. They had a new show on last night. But you look at how the people lived, and it, it was horrible. That's all that they had to live for was. To, to get drunk and party with each other kind of sounds like around here you though. You might
4: feel like that if you watch cops about here.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: But you would think oh, you know the beautiful creation there they don't have as many people there but they're uh, where people are they're corrupt. And so it goes, even with all the beauty that surrounds people like to take tours of Alaska, you know, go on the ships and in the summertime, and just to see the the beauty of God's creation um, but they don't know where that life really comes from, do they? That's sad. I wonder how many uh mission people are up there really giving the gospel. man, do they need it? Um, I'm sure that there would be lives changed. I'm sure there are ministries there. Um, I'm not saying that I'm going, but. <laughs> <laughs> Never know.
1: know? In Siberia. Yeah. What do
0: they do all the time? Yeah, just they drink, drink vodka. Drink the That's all they do. Yeah. Nothing to live for. That's sad. Isn't that sad? Incredible. Uh, anyway, kind of interesting. I think God had something to say that in the book of Ezekiel. He was um, bringing judgment. He was going to bring judgment on Egypt. Ezekiel 31. And he uses metaphorical language here. Okay? <laughs> so, But there's, there's the truth behind all this. And he says in verse 2, Son of man, say to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to his multitude, whoever that Pharaoh is at the time, say this to the Pharaoh. And so he's going to use... Metaphoric language, so that he can understand that you're going down, big buddy. You think you're you think you're something great, don't you? And he compares him to the great, a great country like Assyria, and then the trees of Lebanon, the cedars of Lebanon. They must have been tremendous, awesome trees. And also, he will talk about the trees that were in Eden. And so he says, "Oh, you think you're great, huh? Well, um." Uh, and then he starts comparing. He says in uh, uh, at the end of verse 2, Whom are you like in your greatness? Whom are you like? And So he uses uh, uses this. Uh, see, Assyria had been arrogant. Egypt is arrogant. Indeed, Assyria was a cedar in Lebanon. They're known for their cedar trees. Fine branches that shaded the forest and of high stature and its top was among the thick boughs. The waters made it grow underground waters gave it height with their rivers running around the place where it was planted and sent out rivulets to all the trees of the field. Therefore, its height was exalted above all the trees of the field. What he's doing is he's taking a country like Assyria and Assyria had been an empire and they fell. But they also, a good symbolic language is uh, and something that uh, was in that land was the, the cedars the great trees that they had, and there must have been um great water sources for them to be able to get that high and um uh, so that that's the idea if you look in verse eight, it's kind of interesting. He starts bringing in the garden of God here. the cedars in the garden of God could not hide it. the fir trees were not like its boughs, and the chestnut trees were not like its branches. No tree in the garden of God was like it in it in beauty you know he's he's using this this language like this and it's uh, he, he's it's sarcasm on Egypt. I made it beautiful with a multitude of branches so that all the trees of Eden envied it. All the trees of Eden envied it. Uh, with the sarcasm, these trees of Eden were just tremendous. That's what we're talking about. But there were some great trees in Lebanon. But we're talking about the nation here that was supposed to be great And he's saying, hey, I brought Assyria down, and Egypt, you're going down too. If you look in verse 16, uh, skipping a lot of verses, I made the nations shake at the sound of its fall when I cast it down to hell together with those who descend into the pit, and all the trees of Eden, the choice and the best of Lebanon, all the drink water, were comforted in the depths of the earth. So he uses the sarcasm as he continues on what's going to happen to Egypt? And then verse 18: To which of the trees in Eden will you then be likened in glory and greatness? Oh, you're so great! You're just as you're just as big as the trees that were in Eden. They must have been
3: beautiful.
0: They must have been awesome, incredible. I was talking about Alaska, and you've seen pictures of, of the beauty of the, the huge trees there. And where they have uh, sources of water, uh, well, in Eden, they had these tremendous, great trees all around, watered, and uh, so God took care of that garden. But so He uses what His original creation was, and Garden of Eden, and then later on, uh, uh, Assyria and, and, and Lebanon and. Takes these nations and shows, oh, you think you're pretty good, huh? You think you're really great? You even compare yourselves to these these trees that would um, just dominate. There's certain trees that can dominate a forest. Well, that's what they thought they were over all the other nations. So that's why he uses a, a lot of metaphoric language. But I think in that we can see in the Garden of Eden there were there were trees there that uh, were to be. Uh, amazed at. So then we get to this tree of knowledge of good and evil and it's prohibited to man. And out of all these trees, right in the center are these two trees. Adam couldn't miss it. Adam couldn't miss this tree of life. It's right in the center. It's it's a focal point. And there are other great trees there, but these stand out. Uh, the thing is, it's prohibited to man it's, and it's... Um, Man would that man would want to seek to be wiser. And it's not a wisdom that's coming from God, but it's a wisdom that comes from his own understanding, his own judging of it. That's where this comes in. It's not the wisdom that God is going to give him. He's going to learn something that is really coming outside of God. He was not to rely on his own thinking. If you rely on me, you're going to get all the truth and wisdom that you want. But if you go out and do do something that I don't desire you to do, then that is going to be something that is uh, on your own. And so, there is the bad thing about free will. That we'd have a will that is conformed to God, that's great. He is the one who has free will as He does as He pleases as God was saying or Bob was saying um, He does that's what we want isn't it? as Christians what do we want? we want His will what's the what's all of our prayers are to be said in your will right? If only Adam could have done that <laughs> only he could have done that well that's the thing we struggle with when he departed from the only fountain of perfect wisdom that tree of life. When he departed from that, he started to acquire things for himself, from himself. <laughs> so there is uh, the origin of uh, the kind of the kind of free will that man has today. Not that. Having that, you know, we as Christians, we can say, "Hey, we now do have free will, and we can choose the good things because of the Spirit of God that's in us." So we like that kind because we've been set free. The truth has set us free. That's a good thing. But without having Him in us, we cannot, will not choose. It makes me think of Romans eight. Go there just for a moment. Verse 7, because the carnal mind, mind, that's, that's a sinner, one who's not a Christian, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. It's not subject to it. It's not going to submit to it. Nor indeed can be. It can't be. It can't be subject to God. So one who is a Christian, that's where his mind is at. He cannot think the things of God. He cannot even think on salvation. His mind cannot be there. And then verse 8 says, So then those who are in the flesh, people who are not believers, cannot please God. It's impossible. It's impossible. Adam could have pleased God. He was made to please God, but he wished to be independent. And he dared to try what he was able to do. He was able to do that. There's nothing good about that, is there? (laughs) Those trees, they're useful. Look how useful they are. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow. Every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Well, I tell you what, there are some trees that are really beautiful, and there's other trees that are okay, and there are just trees that are just outright ugly. And I have a few of them in my own yard. (laughs) And Carolyn's been wanting me to get rid of them for years. (laughs) There's one that's standing there. I have no idea why it's still living. Uh, My oldest son, Justin... When he was about five years old, would go out there and hammer nails into that tree. Boy, he'd love to take hammers and nails, and man, he went at it. And you can see the nail holes all through there still, yet to this day. We're talking 20, over 20 years ago. <laughs> and this this tree still has some kind. It's just rotten, and there are there are actually limbs falling off all throughout the year. And we wonder, are there any more limbs to fall off? But there's still some green things that come out of it and they have some leaves during the summertime. I have no idea why it's still living. And you can...
3: The branch falls Yeah, yeah.
0: It's an ugly tree. And then we have cedar trees and they're not from Lebanon and they don't look so good. And then I have allergies, hay fever and cedar, you know, I really shouldn't have around my house. And uh, But... We still have two cedar trees. Three, really. Yeah, She wants four? Really? She wants me to get rid of all of those. I got rid of a lot of pine trees. And Zach says, go on, on and on. Come on, let's go. (laughs) All right. What am I talking about?
3: How did I get there?
0: Well, those trees really aren't too useful. But these trees are pleasant to the sight. Every one of them. And they're good for food. Hey, that's pretty good. Oh, we have a wild plum tree in there, too. I guess it could be good enough for food if you were hungry enough. This place was perfectly suited for Adam. Everything there. And it's all useful, and it looks great. Then you got the rivers. Perfect rivers. Uh, That's quite a detailed account of the water supply that uh, we see in here. A river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four riverheads. Okay, the water water supply here was perfect. Uh, God had it just made the way it needed to be. A river flows out of Eden, uh, waters a garden. If you go back to verse six, there's definitely water there over the face of the whole ground. Um, a subterranean water source that God had put—it's like a sprinkler system. It comes from underneath, makes it perfect. It, at the right time, it gets the water. And how many have had plants and you've overwatered them, or you haven't given them enough water, and 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 you always kill them. You know, you always wonder how much do I give it. <laughs> and um, but you don't know, have to worry about this. Uh, it's perfect. Water springs gushing up out of the ground. Uh, you've got this great river uh, it's a well watered country and um, so it's it's flowing okay perfect supply and then it says now river went out of Eden to water the garden from there it parted and became four riverheads the name of the first is Pishon it's the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah where there is gold this Havilah extends toward um, even even Persia down into Egypt there are boundaries there. I mean, if you were to look at it today uh, and the way it's described in Scripture in Genesis 25, I was going to turn there tonight, but uh, out of time. But even in verse 18, it talks about Havilah. I don't know if that's the same Havilah that Moses was writing about here or whether it's it's moved. Um, there are a lot of different ideas on this. Uh, and nobody really definitely knows when it comes down to it and i really definitely would say the flood had a lot to do with this changing of maybe the uh the river systems maybe not don't know but i can tell you that um this place that god designed uh he put a lot of gold in an area and uh i think that's interesting there's there's gold in this place called ophir and it's not just any kind of gold you're run of the mill gold <laughs> I mean, this is synonymous of the best gold. And we're just about out of time. Go to 1 Kings. I think it's kind of interesting. In 1 Kings chapter 9, you have some gold being brought to Solomon. He's building his temple. And, of course, God wants the best materials whenever he has something built. There's a reason. And, of course, he puts it in certain areas. And in verse 27, 927, then Hiram, he's helping get this thing going here for him, sent his servants with the fleet, seamen who knew the sea, to work with the servants of Solomon. And they went to Ophir and acquired 420 talents of gold from there and brought it to King Solomon to make this great temple. Ophir is synonymous with the best gold. This is consistent with the land of Ophir uh, and this quality gold. You know how much gold that is? 16 tons of gold. What's an ounce of gold today? Is it 1,200? How much?
3: 1700. It's
0: 1,700 now? An ounce? We're talking tons of gold that was brought in. How much is that?
3: It's like 2,000
0: pounds and a ton. Yeah, start calculating this. You would probably put it in the computer and find out how much... That's what. Well, uh, the richness of this land that that God had—it's uh, uh, wonderful. God wants them to have beautiful things um, at certain times, but man, of course, misuses that. And there's one other thing: bedelium. Did you see that word in, in back in Genesis? Uh, bedelium and onyx stone. Uh, bedelium could be a couple of different things. Could refer to color. And that could be a yellow substance. Uh, also, it uh, could be a gum resin. And this gum resin had quite the fragrance. could very well have been uh, an aroma that's used to, for people to smell good. And they looked for things around at that uh, way back in um, biblical times to make them smell good. Can you imagine that? Yeah, they smelled good back then too, like all of you guys do tonight, you know. <laughs> um but, but that's what they were concerned with too. That was part of their culture. And so God made in His creation things that would be fragrant, nice to smell, nice to look at, nice to feel. He wanted all of our whole being to just be pleasant in Him. Nothing wrong with that, is there? Oh, it's everything good about it. And the funny thing is, as soon as you become a Christian, you first think, Uh oh, well, anything that's good is probably bad. <laughs> you know, take everything away from me. You know, um, people start getting rid of their music, and of course, there's a lot of bad music out there. So all music is bad, or you know, whatever it is. You know, and uh, you know, that's that's what I did. I was a musician. Next thing I know, I'm going, oh boy, I I don't even want anything to do with music. I had to take a break from it for a while because I didn't know what was good or what was bad. All I know is where what I the way I used it was bad. <laughs> didn't use it for the glory of God is what I meant. That's what I'm talking about. And some of the songs I did went not too good either. (laughs) Talking about cocaine and stuff like that. I hated that song. But Anyway.
3: That was one of my favorites.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Three times a night.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay. Anyway, we're done. We're done for the night.
3: Um,
0: You think God made things that man could really enjoy? He really loves us. Yeah, it's a funny thing. As soon as you get into chapter th- three, it just shifted so quick. But he still has this love story, and he still has a story of redemption. Why didn't he just get rid of mankind and say, "Okay, that's it. I'm going with my angels. And that's it," or "I'm going to recreate and make some other kind of living being"? No, he had us in mind before he even created the world. He couldn't do anything else. Yeah. I
3: always think about how fast
0: When you see the videos, right? How you know, it's just endless, isn't it? And this little place. For one thing, it, it, how small does it make you feel? <laughs> Infantisimal. But then, you see God's plan in it and that He would care for us in this. And then you see... And didn't the psalm writer say something about that? Say it. Go ahead. Mindful. And He calls us children of God. He calls us friends of God. Uh, We are adopted. We're, We're brought into His family. My co heirs with Jesus Christ. That's incredible what God has for us once we get past this sin thing and we get involved in glory. And you know what we can we can start showing His image. You know, uh, and we are you know, even 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 right now, uh, even despite the fact that we're in what we're encased in these bodies. Something to get happy about, isn't it?